this morning. All right, staying dry. Yeah. And welcome to everybody that is joining us online. They're obviously staying dry, but those of us who venture out today, you're probably wondering, you know, wow, this, this rain just keeps coming and coming and coming, right? But what a, what a nice example we have because we are on a series uh, called The Ability to Produce Wealth and God's Provision, right? So God provides the rain, makes the plants happy, right? And you're like, we're not plants. We don't grow in the water. But anyway, God blesses us anyway. So good morning. My name is Chris, uh, one of the leaders here at Life in the Sun. And as we enter into this uh, third installment of our series on uh, the ability to produce wealth, uh, I just want to first cover uh, where we started. Uh, Mark gave us a wonderful introduction to the series, and then last week Van uh, reminded us how to remember God uh, in this area of giving. So this morning, I would like to simply start with one simple question. What is difficult to gain, but easy to lose? Anybody? You can throw it out there if you want. Okay, okay. I'm, I'm hearing some right answers, and no, it's not your car keys, okay? <laughs> so let's find our answer by going to the next slide. So today's message is a charge to trust. And as we get started, let's go ahead and, and pray. Amen. Father, we thank you uh, for everybody that is joining us this morning. Lord, uh, we just want to give you all the glory and all the honor, Father, because you provide everything that we need. Uh, our, your, your promises are given to us in the word. And Father, your faith is seeded into our hearts. And Lord, out of that faith comes the abundance, Lord, that comes back to you and goes to everyone else. And Father, we do want to give you all that honor, all that praise in Jesus' name. Amen. So in the garden, the serpent came with one intention, and that was to simply cast doubt upon the man and the woman that God had just created, to tempt them with the idea that God cannot be trusted, to believe the lie that God was in some way withholding something from them, that they could be independent and wise on their own. They had ultimately been duped into separating themselves from God and cutting themselves off from the author of life. God said that you would surely die when they eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and that is exactly what happened, because that's what death is. Death is separating ourselves from God. It is a separation from Him. So when they ate of it, they died. And in this, the root is unbelief, and its fruit was the loss of trust in God. As a result, God drove them out of the garden which was a place of abundance. And he cursed the ground, which is we now understand as scarcity, right? And God became the father of a broken family. So what about our own families? Trust is very fragile, is it not? One wrong move and we don't trust each other. Circumstances happen and we lose faith in each other. 
but we also lose faith in God. See, loss of trust is a very common issue in broken families today. But thankfully, God's plan to restore his family and ours is through obedience and trust. To obey God simply means to listen intently to his voice, to take him seriously, believe him, and respond with trust. God's plan to restore his family and ours again is through trusting him. This is the gospel. So with that, let's go ahead and dive into our scripture verse this morning. Our scripture, again, is coming out of Deuteronomy chapter 8, and we're going to pick up in verse 7. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land of brooks of water and fountains and springs flowing forth in valleys and hills, a land of wheat and barley, of vines and fig trees and pomegranates, a land of olive oil and honey, a land where you will eat food without scarcity, in which you will not lack anything, a land whose stones are iron and out of whose hills you can dig copper. When you have eaten and are satisfied, you shall bless the Lord your God for the good land which he has given you. And picking up in verse 16, In the wilderness he fed you manna, which your fathers did not know, that he might humble you and that he might test you, to do good for you in the end. Otherwise you may say in your heart, My power and the strength of my hand made me this wealth. But you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who is giving you the power to make wealth, that he may confirm his covenant, which he swore to your fathers, as it is today. So again, the last sentence covers the purpose of our, 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 our series, the ability to make wealth. And also, it is picking up on our previous series on the covenant, because God wants to establish his covenant with us, which he swore his father. So we see three things here that I think we're going to focus on today. And the first one is a promise to test, to test us. And ultimately, it is for our own good. Secondly, a promise to provide. God gives us his word that when we trust in him, he will provide for us and not only provide for us, but he will provide good things. And then lastly, it is a promise to confirm. We're going to get something back from God as a confirmation, and it's based on his promises. So here we really see the goodness of God. Even though he cursed Adam in Genesis chapter 3, his heart for us here is truly revealed. In the midst of our, of our curse, his desire to bless and provide as long as we remember and trust in him as our provider. So let's go ahead and start with that first promise, a promise to test. So who likes tests? Anybody? <laughs> you like your college exams, right? You like the, uh, the driver's test? Okay, we want pay people to take driver's tests, right? Because we don't you know, want to be running into each other out there. And then I think, how many military guys we got here, right? We, we take tests all the time. But isn't it, isn't it interesting, though, that nothing can be proven without a test? Come on. Right? So we need a test to see what's in us. 
You know, when we go to do those exams, right, they give us uh, three or four almost right questions, and then they have the very right question, so that it, we, we need to make sure that we know exactly what the answer is. You know, and I asked about our military guys earlier. You know, it's funny because our military training, it's really, I don't know, because there's three very obviously wrong questions, and then they provide the very obviously right question. You know, that's our, our typical training that we get. <laughs> and we often have to go through those tests like every year, but thankfully they provide something easy for us to, uh, to work through. So the question might come up then, you know, how can we even begin to understand this whole thing about giving? Well, I think we can help. Uh, what helps us understand is, is really going and asking the question, what was it like for God? to give his own son. And one way to think about that is reaching into our, our pants or our purse, right? Pulling out our wallet to give. It's not easy. And in fact, in fact, pulling out our wallets and giving from our purses is, is not only difficult, but there's no better way for us to be tested than through our finances. You see, for those of us who have not experienced God's faithfulness, it can be, again, very difficult. And it is a real test of our trust. And if you want to remember it simply, open heart, open wallet. Closed heart, closed wallet. It starts with our heart. So how do we trust God with our finances when we're barely making it, right? That's, that's the real question. God, where do you want me to start? We may even be fearing that we may not have enough to even pay for our bills. But it starts again with a promise. God has promised to provide. The good news is that for most of us sitting here today, we've already trusted him with our salvation. That's pretty important. That's our eternal life. So then why is trusting him with our finances a whole other issue? But the reality is it shouldn't be. I asked our life group uh, this question this, uh, this uh, last time. And we have Van's kids in our, in our life group and they're always <laughs> so fun because they're very vocal and, and they like to share a lot. And, so I asked this question, I said, why is money so important? And both of them <laughs> blurted out almost at the same time, well, you need it to live, right? It's like you go to the grocery store and you gotta have money to buy food. You go to get gas and, you know, everything that we have today is based on money. And of course, the concept might be, well, we need money to live. The problem is, is that we can begin to falsely believe that money equals life. Not only that, but we will do most anything to get it, keep it, and we're often unwilling then to even give it away. But just like God, we want the best for our families. You know, sacrificing for them when they are in need We'll do almost anything to help them out. 
especially when they believe and trust in us. Uh, about two years ago, uh, we went through a situation with our daughter, and she was on hard times. She had just been divorced, and she was out there trying to make it on her own. And we always kept the door open for her. We wanted her to come back, but, you know, just like anything, they have to come back and, and uh, uh, you know, live in the house according to our standards and our rules. And they weren't hard. It was really about, uh, you know, just respecting the things that we do in the house. And so there was some time where there was some resistance, but finally she decided, you know what, you know, I'm, I'm going to have a baby and I need help. So she came home, and we really had to sacrifice uh, when she came home. But the, the biggest thing that we had to sacrifice was ourselves, our hearts. And the, the, the challenge was it wasn't just on her part, it was also on ours, because there were things for us as parents that we had to really, you know, you've heard the term pick your battles, right? Because here we are, we're, we're doing this because we want the best for her. We want her to succeed. And I think every parent wants that, every family wants that. But it's really dependent on those that are receiving it. And thankfully, she was willing to receive what uh, our instructions were and the fact that we wanted to help her out. And thankfully, you know, today, uh, we have a beautiful grandchild in the home and our daughter's walking with the Lord. and. You know, it's a testimony to God's provision and heart, okay? But again, we need to believe through this process that God equals life. That was the standard that we set for our home. We honor God. We worship God in our home. And see, when we believe that God equals life, not money equals life, our source becomes God and our relationship with him. And that is what brings trust. Right actions start with right belief. Our ability to give is first based on the power given to us, as it says in the Word, to make wealth through God, through our relationship with Him. And second, our faithfulness to work with diligence and honesty. We have to be willing to provide. And third, trust that He will provide. And again, if we can trust God with our salvation, we can trust him with our finances. So you say, Chris, well, where do I start? Sam, this is not an area that I've really stepped out in faith in. In fact, I may have some issues with it. Well, all I can say is start with something. You know, I believe in the principle of giving. I believe in the principle of the tithe, that 10%. It's a goal. It's some, somewhere to strive as your target. But it's no longer a law. It's something that we do out of the heart. And when we go there, we find that God is, is wanting to provide. And, and I can tell you, standing here today, I've been giving faithfully. God challenged me to begin that giving process over 20 years ago. And I can tell you, standing here today, he has been faithful all the time. I've been through good times. I've been through bad times. But he has been faithful all the time. So you just have to start working towards your goal, little by little. Have faith in God. Have faith that he will take care of you. You know, God will provide. He will. 
Trust comes from first believing his word, then stepping out in faith, and then experiencing God's faithfulness when, you, when we do. And that is building your continued trust in him. With trust comes a desire to give and an opportunity for God to confirm his covenant by providing for us. So this leads us to our last point, which is a promise to confirm. So God does want to confirm. He does want to provide some level of proof to us. You know, there was a, a, in, in the, uh, the slideshow this morning on the intro, uh, it shows this cantaloupe, right? And it's kind of cut open and it has the fruit and the seeds are in there. And I just, I heard God speak to me and he said, you know, our giving is like that. It's based on that concept that he provides everything in one package. So here's his cantaloupe and we're able to eat the fruit of it. But also there's this centerpiece that is filled with seeds, right? Most of the time we just throw away the seeds, but God is saying, no, those seeds are there for us to invest, to plant, to grow. Those are there for us to, to give back to somebody else. So the concept is, yeah, I could eat a cantaloupe, but if I plant seeds, I can, I can plant a whole crop and I can feed a whole lot of people more than just myself. That's what is behind the heart of God wanting to provide for us the ability to make wealth. It's not for us, though we do be, have the ability to uh, enjoy the fruit thereof. God's heart is so that we can begin to provide for others and it ultimately brings him glory. You see, God's ability to pro provide faithfully in abundance results in proof that he can be trusted. And when trust increases, our security in him also increases, resulting in a desire to give back out of a thankful heart. So this is uh, also shown for us in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. So let's go ahead and take a look at that. For if the readiness is present, that, that love response that God has put in us for providing, it is acceptable according to what a person has, not according to what he does not have. For this is not for the ease of others and for your affliction. You see, that's a misconception sometimes, is, uh, you know, that if we give, you know, Pastor Mark is going to go out and buy a Learjet. You know, I don't think you have a Learjet, right? There's nothing parked out at Wampat, right? But that's where things get, get kind of skewed, right? Because the heart begins to move towards self instead of moving and continuing to be towards God. And conversely, you know, God does not want us being afflicted over our giving. It must be done cheerfully and willingly. See, God confirms his promise to grow us in love. See, giving relieves affliction. That's the point. See, giving is willingly and cheerfully sacrificial. It will cost us something. Remember the wallet and the purse? It will. It will cost us something. But giving is not a duty. Giving is out of love, and especially when we want to do it. So where do we find this? Well, it's found in uh, Matthew chapter 23, verses 37 through 40. He said, Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. 
This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. And here's the key. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. So when we love God, we give to God. When we love others, we give to the church so that others can be blessed through the church. Maybe you give to others directly. Maybe you see their affliction and you want to ease it. That is the point of love. Love wants to relieve the other of their affliction. And in the process, you're doing it to honor God. So God confirms his promise as we grow in this love. So when we have our security in God, we no longer only worry about our lives and about ourselves, but then we are free to love God and love others through our giving. You see, God wants our trust so he can bless us abundantly. Then, again, we can be a blessing to others, which brings glory to him. And this is probably the most important thing as we learn growing in this giving attitude is there's no more temptation to live in greed or live in fear that you're not going to know where your next paycheck, your next meal is going to come from. God has made the act of giving the fruit of our trust in him. And he provides the confirmation through his provision for us. We cannot outgive God. We hear that all the time. <laughs> because his provision always meets our needs and often exceeds them so that we can be a blessing to others. So wrapping this up, you know, it is not sinful to make a lot of money. But it is sinful to seek a lot of money, keep a lot of money, or spend a lot of money on foolish and harmful desires. God does not intend for anyone to live in luxury off the giving of others. You see, God wants us ultimately to seek him for the ability to produce wealth, not the wealth itself, for the purpose of bringing increase to others and glory to himself. So we're just going to close with a couple of scriptures uh, that kind of detail this out. I think it speaks really well for this. And it's Philippians chapter 4, beginning in verse 17. Not that I seek the gift itself. So this is where Paul uh, is responding to the giving from the Macedonians. But I seek for the profit which increases to your account. You see, Paul already knew that as they were giving, God was going to give back to them. He already knew there was going to be an increase to them, to their account. But I have received everything in full and have an abundance. I am amply supplied, having received from Epaphroditus what you have sent, a fragrant aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. And my God will supply all your needs according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. Now to our God and Father be the glory forever and ever. So this doesn't mean that you're never going to be in need. But what it means is that God is going to meet your needs through your faith in him. And it will be challenging at times. Like I said, I've gone through good times and bad times. But God has never let me down once. So finally, trust. 
Have faith. Work hard. Honor God. And then bless others. So let's close with uh, 1 Peter chapter 2.6. So this is the final promise. For this is contained in Scripture. Behold, I lay in Zion a choice stone, a precious cornerstone. This is Jesus. And he who trusts in him will not be disappointed. Amen? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you that your word is able to be trusted. We thank you that ages ago, Lord God, you even showed us from the very beginning, Father, that your desire is for us to be provided for. But it does cost us something, Lord God. We have to trust in you. We have to believe in you. And oftentimes, Lord, in, in this area of finances, this is the greatest test of all. But my prayer today, Father, is that for anybody in earshot of my voice today, will be able to grow one step closer to trusting you even more. Even if they've been faithful givers, Lord God, help them to see the need even more, to not be tempted to go back into thinking of themselves. But Father, continue to stretch out their belief, stretch out their faith, Lord, and knowing that through you, nothing is impossible. And Father, I don't want to leave out uh, this last group of people, Father, if they don't even have a relationship with you, if they don't even yet know of what you can do, Father, then Father, I pray that today may be a day that they realize that, that God, it's the only thing you want from them is your trust. That's how a family is restored. And Father, you, that is what you've been, been uh, uh, proclaiming since the Garden of Eden is simply trust in me. Trust in me. Don't trust in wealth. Don't trust in the strength of men, the word says, but trust in me. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, if that's you here today and you want to establish for the first time that relationship with God, then just go ahead and slip up your hand. Nobody's going to see you but me, and we can pray together. And maybe if that's you online out there, then just stand by. We're going to pray. Thank you. Thank you. See that hand. Anybody else? All right. Well, let's all pray together. Amen. Father, I thank you that you provided Jesus Christ for me that you gave him as an offering for my sin. That through him I can have the forgiveness of sins. Those that I have committed, those that I am committing today and all future sins, Lord, have been washed by your blood. I believe that he died and rose on the third day for my salvation so that I can have a relationship restored back to you, Father. And Father, I sit here today cleansed and brand new because I have placed my trust in you. And I repent of my unbelief. I repent of my sin. I repent of thinking as the world thinks. But now I will begin to understand you through your word and through fellowship and through your Holy Spirit. Lord, fill me with your Holy Spirit. And I thank you and I praise you. In Jesus' name.
Amen. All right. Well, give a hand for those that prayed that. And if that's you, uh, just go ahead and make your way over to our one-to-one desk over here to my right, your left, and they have a small package for you. All right. So God bless. Have a great week and stay dry. i